In the name of Jesus, amen. And Jesus says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees tried to trap Jesus today, and they invited him to a feast on the Sabbath. And the Bible says they were watching him. That is, they waited to find fault with him, to accuse him of evil. And while they were eating, they brought forth a man who had dropsy. And dropsy is a disease uh, where the body and the limbs swell with water. It disfigures the person. It causes him really great pain and discomfort. And many times it uh, causes him not to move. So they brought him to Jesus, not because they actually cared about him, but because they wanted to trap him. And so the question is, what's the trap? Well, on the one hand, if Jesus heals this poor man with dropsy on the Sabbath, the Pharisees would say, look, Jesus can't be God because God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And by that, he means don't do any type of work at all whatsoever. So how could Jesus be God if he breaks his own commandment? On the, on the other hand, if Jesus didn't heal this poor man, then the Pharisees would say, see, I told you, he doesn't really care about people. He's not as gracious and kind, as merciful as you think. If he really was God, then he'd heal this man. So here's the scene. You have Jesus, a man with dropsy, and the Sabbath. And what does Jesus do? He traps them before they trap him. He asks them, so is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? What he's saying is this. Look, you Pharisees, if you had the power to heal people, which you don't, would you heal this man on the Sabbath or would you just look the other way trying to keep these laws that you think apply? The scripture says they were silent. Because if they said, yes, it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath, then they couldn't judge Jesus for healing this guy. And if they said, no, it's unlawful to heal on th this man on the Sabbath, then they could say, uh, the, the crowds would say, how could they defend such a disregard for this man who is suffering? Why would they bring this man into this, Jesus' presence and yet have no compassion on him? So Jesus goes ahead and he heals the man. And then he points out their hypocrisy. Saying, which of you, if you had an ox or a son uh, fall into a well, who doesn't immediately pull him out, even if it's the Sabbath? The point is, they all would. They'd make an exception for that animal. And this man is much more, uh, worth much more than those animals. So Jesus told them a parable about being invited to a wedding feast, sitting in a place of honor, being asked then to move from the place that they uh, irrigated for themselves and being told to move lower. It's a parable of someone exalting himself above other people and then being humiliated and asked to move to a lower seat. Kind of like exactly what was happening to them that very moment. They came to silence Jesus, but instead their mouths were closed. They came to trap, but instead they were trapped. And so what's going on with the Pharisees? What are they thinking? Well, the truth is they don't understand God's law. First of all, they didn't understand what God meant when he said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. They thought that God instituted the Sabbath and told them not to work because he wanted their obedience. They thought that the Sabbath day was just one of the steps uh, that they had to take on the ladder to ascend to heaven. 
some way to earn their salvation. So they worked very hard at finding ways not to work. In fact, there's uh, 613 laws that helps them in this endeavor that they added to the Ten Commandments. And some of these are just absurd, so I'll, I'll tell you a few of them so you know uh, I'm not just overreacting here. Uh, for example, some of them, uh, they, they determined that on the Sabbath, you could carry water on your clothing if it rained on you, but you couldn't wring out your clothing because that's doing work. They decided that you could write one letter from the alphabet, but not two, because that would be communicating, which is a form of work. This is great. They sorted out that you could spit on a rock, but not on the soil, because that would be considered watering the plants. So the Pharisees were great at twisting and distorting God's law and trying to, to figure out and add more ways to uh, to, to God's law than what he has given. So not only didn't they, did they not understand the law of the Sabbath, they also didn't understand the purpose of the law at all. They took the law of God that commands faith in God and love towards our neighbor, and they used it to exalt themselves and to put their neighbor down. And this is how most people use the law of God. This is how most people take the law. Most believe that God gave the law as a way to save and exalt yourself. As if it's some massive self-help guide or rule book given to improve yourself and who you are. This is called legalism. Legalists use God's law to serve themselves. They use the law to make themselves look good and to make their neighbor or whoever's around them look bad. And this view of the law is precisely what led to the Pharisees' humiliation. Whenever we regard other things or other tasks or other chores more important than our neighbor, then we've fallen into the same type of thinking. We do this whenever we pretend that we're somehow too busy to forgive those who have hurt us, to go and confront those who have sinned against us, as if there's something more important to do. We do this when we exalt ourselves above others by using them only as pawns in our life to get what we want. Whenever you promote yourself or exalt yourself and you think of yourself more than those around you, you prove that you don't keep God's law. When you apply the law of God harshly to others and make it easy on yourself, you're being a legalist. When you use God's law for yourself for your own benefit, for your own exaltation to lift you up, you will be humiliated when God dethrones you and gives your seat to another in heaven. This sort of thinking, thinking that the law was given to help yourself, stems from the belief that you have to earn your own salvation. If you think that the law is for you, it's because you think you have to save you. But ironically, instead of actually helping you fulfill the law, this mentality makes it impossible for you to fulfill the law in any way, shape, or form. So think of it. If you have to earn your own way to heaven, then you can never truly love your neighbor from your heart as the law requires. Because no matter how much you help your neighbor, at the end of the day, you're really only helping yourself. If you need to love your neighbor to earn salvation and go to heaven, you're not loving your neighbor simply because you love your neighbor. You're loving your neighbor so that you don't go to hell. 
If you clothe and feed the poor because that's what you have to do in order to be before the throne of God, then you're not clothing and feeding them for the right reason. You're doing it in a self, selfless, not in a selfless way, but you're rather doing it selfishly. Even more, if you have to earn your salvation, you can never rest. Because no matter what you're doing now in this moment or how much you've done before, you could always do more. It's not enough. It's the wrong way to understand the law. It's not just the wrong way. It's the way that leads to condemnation. So listen to the truth now. God gave his law to you, but he didn't give his law for you. He gave his law to you, but he didn't give it for you. He told you his law, not so that you serve yourself, but so that you serve those who are around you. The law isn't for your sake or your benefit. The law is to benefit your neighbor, and it's for his sake, for his good. The law wasn't written so that you learn to serve yourself. Your sinful heart already knows how to do this very, very well since birth. You know how to serve yourself. Rather, it was written so that you learn to serve even the least among you. The law isn't a tool to exalt yourself above others. Quite the opposite. It's for you to humble yourself before others and before God himself. And when preached rightly... When the law is preached and learned well, we can't help but be humbled before the word of God. As the law reveals our proud and arrogant hearts, it drives us to our knees. As the law of God reveals that we are conceived in iniquity and brought forth in sin, we, have, we learn that we have nothing at all to be proud of in ourselves. When we learn that even our seemingly good works are like filthy rags before the throne of God, we want to hide away in shame. As the law of God demands us to love our neighbors as ourselves, we can't help but notice all the times that we haven't. We can't help but remember all the times we've put ourselves above others. All the times that we've beat down our loved ones with anger and bitterness and unkind words, that all of the times that we've turned our backs on those who needed our help the most, all of the times that we made ourselves too busy to care for those that we consider beneath us. His law leaves us silent and speechless and without an answer. No matter where you're sitting in life, no matter how many people you think are above or below you, his law reveals that we don't even deserve a seat at this table today, a seat in this church, a seat with him in heaven. His law reveals that we cannot fulfill his law, that we cannot complete it. We can never achieve the perfection that God requires, the humility that he demands of us. And yet, while we were still exalting ourselves above one another, while we were still fighting for our seats of honor, while we were still bickering about who sits where and why, who the greatest among us is, Christ, our dear Lord, humbled himself for us. Instead of sitting on his heavenly throne, he took it upon himself to take the lowest seat among us when he was laid into a manger and became a servant for us. He took the lowest seat when he became poor and reviled and thirsty and hungry. He took the lowest seat when he'd sweat drops of blood and in, in agony and pain. 
He took the lowest seat when he let his arms and legs be stretched on a cross and nailed to death. When his cold, dead, and lifeless body lied breathless in the grave, he took our place in the grave and became our Sabbath rest. And he kept the law rightly, not to earn anything for himself, but to win everything for his neighbor, to win everything for you. And in doing all of this, he won for you a better place, a place with forgiveness and joy, a seat with glory and honor. He tells you, friend, move up higher. As he has come here today to invite you away from sitting in your sinfulness, in your self-righteous ways, in your arrogance, in your pride, he has invited you to come sit at his table here today, to sit with him, to receive his righteousness here in time and together with him in eternity. So now that Christ has earned your salvation for you, now that he has secured for you eternal life through the wounds in his flesh, now that he has washed away the sin from your conscience through holy baptism, now and only now can you truly love your neighbor. Since you don't need to work for your salvation, you can work freely for your neighbor. So dear saints, you have no need to worry, to work, or to do anything for yourself. Your sin has brought forth your condemnation. But you will not taste a drop of that condemnation because Christ our Lord has drank it all. Christ has given all of these things to you, all good that he has earned. What else can you earn that Jesus hasn't won for you? What can you possibly attain that Jesus has not given through his death and resurrection? Your salvation is complete and you have no need to put others down. You have no need to ignore people, to reject or despise those who are around you. You have no need to prove to anyone that you're better than anyone else. You have no need to exalt and justify yourself above others because Christ has justified and exalted you before him. So now you can rest. You can rest from having to prove yourself, to earn things from God. When Christ shouted with his final breath, it is finished from the cross, that's when your eternal Sabbath rest from all your labors began. You don't keep the Sabbath by abstaining from all the things that your hands and feet can do. You keep the Sabbath by resting in the work that Jesus' hands and feet accomplished for you. And when you humble yourself to hear his word of forgiveness, then he will exalt you. As he was exalted and will give you a crown of life. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.